All right, we bring on Reed Wallach of Betside, and he's joining us on the GetMyPhoenix.com guest line. And I want to look back on, we'll start with bowl season, but really, I we've we had a lot of surprises, certainly. There are bowls, Reed, that have their surprise endings. And TCU beating Michigan was, just, I mean, that was such an incredible game. They're 12 and a half point dogs now in the national title game to Georgia. Do you give them a shot to really just even cover with the way that they played? I feel like as great as Georgia's defense is, TCU's offense looked pretty damn potent. Yeah, guys, how's it going? Happy New Year. Thank you uh, for having me on. And listen, of course, TCU could win. This has been uh, the story all year. They've pulled these games out left and right, you know, second half rallies and everything. Uh, So, yeah, TCU can beat Georgia. I think, you know, it's in the realm of possibility. I'm more of the belief they're not going to. I, I lean towards the Georgia side as I went through my initial handicap. I just think... It, TCU needed a lot of variants to go their way to beat Michigan and get ahead and kind of outlast them. Uh, you know, three first three red zone trips for Michigan end up with three points, two pick sixes. I just don't know if you're going to see that from Georgia, who knows that they could kind of just run the ball down their throat, sit on this defense and really wear them down. So I think you're going to see Georgia eventually pull away in this game. I'm not sure if I'm going to have a bet on the side. I actually lean towards the under in this game. That's kind of where – I'm eyeing just based on TCU needed a lot of explosive plays to get the score line as big as it was. I think this is a little too high, honestly. I make it closer to 58 and a half, uh, to be quite honest with you. Wow. That is, I mean, that's incredible. And do you feel like Reed, TCU's just kind of been really lucky or have they been slept on? I, I don't think, I mean, listen, every team needs a, a few breaks their way, you know, especially in a sport like college football where you lose one or two games, your season's over. So you need a few things to go their way. But I do think that they've been slept on. I think that all throughout the year, they everyone, you know, even when they were ranked three in the college football playoff rankings in like November, people were like, oh, well, they'll lose to at Texas and, you know, they'll go away and that's it. So, yeah, I do think that they have been slept on, but, um, in terms of lucky, like I do think a few things went their way early in the game that put Michigan in a disadvantageous situation, and TCU was able to run away with that game, so they deserve a ton of credit, and I think, though, that they're going to run into the best team in the country, and that's Georgia, so I think Georgia had their scare against Ohio State in the Peach Bowl, and I think that you're going to see a very clean, conservative kind of, we're going to not lose this game, and eventually that will lead to probably near a two-touchdown like um, victory for the Bulldogs, I think, uh, next Monday night. So besides that, what game or games, results, things that happened during bowl season were the biggest surprises to you? Oh, biggest surprises. I mean, uh, I for my you know wallet, it would be the Houston touchdown <laughs> drive against uh, Louisiana to win, uh, what was that, the uh, Louisiana Bowl touchdown when I, a field goal would have been the cover. But, um, you know, looking back on it, like Tulane beating USC, I guess in the fashion that Tulane was able to come back, I thought that that was incredibly impressive. And I think that really showed as someone who was anti-USC all season long that said their defense is terrible, their special teams is terrible, it's going to come back to bite them, even with the talent of Caleb Williams. And then for it to really come to a head in the Cotton Bowl, in front of everyone watching, to a Tulane team that, you know, everyone, you know, didn't really – I know odds makers did, but – Tulane versus USC, no one really gave him a chance. And to see it all unravel there in front of him, it felt, you know, it felt pretty good uh, to get a result like that after 
all year kind of got an egg in my face for uh, <laughs> fading USC. So that was pretty nice. That was, I guess, a pretty big surprise. That was uh, yesterday. Reed, I would be remiss to not discuss this because we banged on you and banged on you some more. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> and that was salt in the wounds. But today we can say proudly that with Jacques Vaughn as the head coach of your Brooklyn Nets, <laughs> they look like a real contender. What are you seeing? Where is your optimism level at? Like, Why the turnaround at this point? Like, How do you see things being different from coach to coach? I, I mean, just like it's a love fest right now with the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I mean, finally, some, some love for uh, the Brooklyn Nets. But honestly, I, I think the bar was so low when, you know, Kyrie had a suspension, they fire Nash, all that stuff. The bar was so low that now that they're just playing basketball, you're finally seeing the team play. I mean, I said all offseason, if Durantis gives this roster a chance, they could be pretty good. Um, you know, I gave Steve Nash, you know, a full offseason, a training camp to figure it out. He clearly was in over his head. Forget the Kyrie situation. He still had this team unprepared through the first, you know, handful of games. And the Nets need to make a move to salvage this. And Jock Vaughn, credit to him, because I really wasn't that optimistic. I thought that this was just a saving face PR move. And Guy took full advantage of the job, and they clearly answered him. They have, he has the team locked in, ready to go, and it really starts on the defensive end. We know Durant's having the most efficient season, arguably, of all time. Kyrie's playing great basketball, but it's on the defensive side of the ball with guys like Nick Laxon playing at first-team all-defensive level, shutting down the rim, switching onto guards. I mean, this defense is setting up the offense, and that's what makes this team go right now. And, hey, listen, I think this game went final already. Boston lost to the Thunder by, like, 35 or something. Mm-hmm. Nets beat the Bulls tomorrow in Chicago. They're tied for the best record in the NBA. So, you know, I think this team deserves a ton of praise. They've had a few, you know, fortuitous injury uh, situations turn out for them, which, listen, that's that's the name of the game. You know, that happens over a course of the season. But this team is rolling now, and they have an identity, too, and they're deep. I think there's one move that needs to be made to get a front court player, whether it's a Kyle Kuzma type. Um, but I think that this team is a true contender, and you're seeing it play out. I mean, they blew out Milwaukee. I think Milwaukee is a win creator short. I think Cleveland still probably a win away. And Boston all of a sudden did, you know, did they peak too early? That's Maybe a- the Nets are too, but I think that, listen, the Nets are right in the mix for this. I think that they are worthy contenders right now. This is no fluke. That's what I was just about to ask you, Reed, is just how do you think this these two teams, Boston and, and Brooklyn, match up? Because obviously get swept last year. Don't think that's going to happen again if they, if they were to match up. <laughs> Let's hope not. Uh, yeah, I think that this is a different Nets team than it was last year. Forget the, again, Kyrie is obviously the ultimate wild card, but the Nets are a longer team. They are a bigger team. Last year, they were trotting out lineups too often with Seth Curry, Patty Mills, undersized guards. The Nets now with TJ Warren looking healthy, Yuta Watanabe playing fantastic, you know, Ben Simmons, maybe the elephant in the room, but that's another kind of wing forward big man type that can match up with the Jason Tatums and the Jalen Browns on Boston. The Nets now could switch one to five pretty much all the time with Kyrie being kind of the really only undersized guard throw Seth Curry in there too. But the Nets have a lot of rotation players that can stick on the floor in a Boston series. So yeah, I think that this is a very competitive matchup and they play next Thursday. You know, Zion Williamson is now out for the Pelicans on Friday. 
Nets have three games. They got to get there, but there's a chance the Nets are still on this winning streak. I believe it will be 15 in a row going into Boston next Thursday. So listen, this is, I don't think that this is a fluke. I think that this is legit. And, you know, I think that this Nets team is only going one way. And, you know, if you want to get in these title futures, the numbers are going to get swept up if they pass Boston anytime soon. So um, I think that there's still value on the Nets in the futures market, considering they may pass Boston come next Thursday. You know, Reed, this is probably the first time in NBA history, too, that a star requested a trade. He wasn't traded, and now it's worked out for everybody. Yeah, I mean, listen, as someone who lives and dies with this team, all I asked was for them to just play basketball and give it a chance. And it looked like uh, in early November that was never going to happen, and this would just fall apart. But listen, they finally are playing. And, I mean, the last two weeks, they're 6-0, number one on offense, number one on defense. Since December 1st, they would have the highest offensive rating in NBA history, 121 points, uh, 0.4 points per 100 possessions. So this is a team operating at a very, very high level right now. And, again, I don't think it's a fluke with Durant playing at this level. Everything's easy for him. So I think there's only a play, there's only, you know, we're just scratching the surface with this team as they continue to figure, this, figure themselves out and build some chemistry. Read in the West, who do you like the most? Because I feel like the Denver Nuggets – are slept on consistently as the number one team in the West. Memphis obviously has, you know, Desmond Bain, who's just coming back from injury, didn't play the other night against the Kings. Like, who do you think is is going to emerge as the cream of the crop out West? Oh, I mean, honestly, it, it's crazy how I feel the dynamic has flipped um, from the East used to be kind of, you know, a bit of an up and down. You're never really sure, and the West was dominating. Now the West feels like it's kind of a crapshoot. I still lean towards the Warriors, if healthy, can figure this thing out and navigate the West. I think you, there's a bunch of flawed rosters in the Western Conference. I mean, the Nuggets' defense has a ton of concerns. The Grizzlies, I mean, can they win a few big games before we just anoint them as the West? I would almost rather the Pelicans, if they could be healthy, than the Grizzlies. Um, Phoenix, I don't buy at all. The Clippers, I continue to hear about. And then there's just another hamstring injury for Paul George, or Kawhi needs knee maintenance. So, you know, maybe it's the Clippers if they finally get healthy. I still, like, until proven otherwise, it's the Warriors that are going to navigate the West with Steph Curry. I mean, he should be back, I think, next week. So I know they're the ninety right now. It sounds crazy to say, but I still lean towards the Warriors as being the team to come out of the Western Conference, uh, just given the current resume of these teams. I mean, there's only four and a half games out of the one seed. Steph comes back in one heater. They're right back in the mix with the top seed in the West. So, um, Cautiously, I'll still say Golden State. I don't see. I don't think that's crazy though. I like. I understand they're only two games over five hundred right now, Reed. Mm -hmm. But like, we know when Steph comes back, that team is. We expect them to be different. I mean, let's let's be honest. They struggled a little bit, and he was playing like an MVP at the beginning of the year. But you know, there are some players, teams, uh, coaches that just they build a resume where you trust them, right? Bill Belichick, he's mm-hmm. kind of losing some of that luster now, but we still at least somewhat like look at a Patriots game and say, well, you know, there's the Bill Belichick factor. Tom Brady, this is like the first year we've kind of been, uh, you know, we haven't felt like it has as much luster there either, but it, Tom Brady's still having, a, by most quarterback standards, a good year, and you always factor in Tom Brady like it did last week for them to clinch against the Panthers. I, I think it's kind of the same way with the Warriors, where you look at where they are now and go, I mean, they've been here before, and all they really need to do is just make sure they get maybe that sixth seed and then, you know, the, the, after that, they can just kind of go on a roll in the playoffs. They've done it before. A hundred percent. And I think something we're seeing in the league today, is, there's so much talent in the league. We were just saying the Thunder beat the Celtics without Shea Gilgis-Alexander by 30-something tonight. 
you know, the playoff basketball is such a different animal, and you got to beat a team four times out of seven. So, you know, you're seeing a flatter NBA in terms of the dominant teams up top. Any night, you could lose to any team, honestly, with the way teams shoot threes and the talent in the league right now. So, you know, I think there's just not that much separation. So the Warriors, if they get any of that as a five or a six seed, yeah, of course they could go on a run. I mean, that would be brutal for the teams that had a great regular season and they end up at the top and you get Steph Curry coming to town for games one and two. But I definitely think that the Warriors, to me, until proven otherwise, I see a true dominant team emerge from the West. Uh, it's still Golden State or bust for me uh, coming out of the West, but I, I think that that could change very quickly. He's Reed Wallach of Betside. Appreciate the time, man. Good talking to you. Hey, thanks, guys. Yeah, the Nets are a whole different team now. <laughs> they really are. Yeah, they are. It's got to, I mean, it's just, it's proof. It, it is proof that good coaching does matter. And I guess also creating a better culture. So, you know, we can see who was in charge and who wasn't in charge with them. I mean, it's clearly Steve Nash. You know, I always knew this when Kyrie Irving, came out and said, you know, we're all going to kind of be coaches sometimes. When they hired Steve Nash, yep. I was like, okay. Yeah, that's not This uh, is not going to work out great. well at all. I, I doubt that Jacques Vaughn lets him believe the same thing now. I don't think so. I think Jacques Vaughn <laughs> has done, done a tremendous job. And I just think there's a level of discipline and a level of organization. You know, that's the whole reason that KD wanted to be traded yep. is he said this very clearly to Sean Marks and, and to Joe Sy, like, listen, like, there's not any real structure here. We, our practices are willy-nilly. They just think we can just roll the ball out and then we're just going to win games. Like, we don't really have any idea of how to run our rotations or our training program. Like, nothing is structured. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's bad when a star player is like, hey, I need to be coached. And this is not really working. And, and listen, for all the things Kevin Durant does and the pettiness that's there, dude wants to play basketball and he wants to win. And he's all, you're always going to get, he's a hooper. And you're going to get the most out of him every single time. And let's also think, he came from a Warriors organization that has as much structure and success and about as good of a culture as you could possibly create for an organization. And then he went to the Nets that had nothing. So that was a real culture shock, I'm sure, for him very, very quickly. Yeah, man. It's, uh, there's a lot, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. A lot there. <laughs>